Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. And we had a program this morning that it just kind of came out. I was looking at a few things in the news, and and of course in the news was Walmart is not going to be selling pistol ammunition and any ammunition that can fit in large clips, and and they're doing this to save lives. Meanwhile, Bernie Sanders is going to terminate lives by the millions, but he's only going to kill babies in the womb. So... Uh, because he thinks that's a very important part of uh, population control because of climate change. Well, of course, I guess I'm a climate denier. I'm not. I, I believe in that climate actually exists. I, I work out in the hot sun, and I can tell you that climate exists, and it does get hot. I can also tell you that it does get cold. Uh, somebody wrote on Facebook, it says, when was there ever climate change? And, well, there's been climate change time and time again in our own history. Uh, you know, Europe got extremely cold and the Thames froze over. And if you go back to 540, the famines around the world were so extreme because things got so cold that uh, crops failed everywhere. And there was cannibalism in Europe and there was cannibalism in... Uh, and uh, China, because there was just this extremely long winters for five, ten years there, and people didn't have enough food. Everybody started hunting instead of growing food farming-wise, and and even the animals that they hunted didn't survive the winters. I mean, I've seen out here, we had a bad winter one year, where the snow was really deep. I mean, really deep for out here, not deep for northern Minnesota. <laughs> but the animals weren't used to this deep snow, and so the only place that they could walk around where they weren't walking in deep snow was along the highways. So they were getting, deers were getting knocked off left and right. You, you could drive 100 miles to town, that's how far our major town is away from us, and uh, you would never be outside of sight, out of, outside of sight of a dead deer. There was a dead deer in the road constantly going out there because they all came to the highway and walked along the highway because there wasn't, you couldn't get around in the snow if you were a deer. You know, you were stepping through deep snow. And the coyotes would run you down if you were a deer out in the snow because that's how they get you. They exhaust you and coyotes like to run. Of course, cougars were doing the same thing, and now we got wolves because somebody had the bright idea of thinking about bringing in wolves. I suppose I'm against nature. I, I studied forestry in the University of Minnesota, and I can tell you this whole idea of bringing in wolves is a crock. But you can't tell these people anything because their minds are closed. I mean, there are some people realizing it. It, it doesn't improve. It's killing off wildlife. Unbelievable. Elk, deer, being hunted by the wolves, you know, the, the livestock as well. Uh, the wolves just kill for sport. I mean, they kill to eat, but they, they kill for sport and they will, and they don't save their kill like, uh, like, uh, mountain lions do. Mountain lions will bury a kill and come back. 
Uh, bobcats will kill and gorge themselves and then take the food up to their cubs. But, uh, you know, the wolves, once the cubs are running, they just, uh, they just eat and they leave and they go kill something else. And they brutally kill things. They're, they're ravenous killers. Ripping out the guts, uh, tearing open the throat, wounding them so that they can get them later. Because uh, they like that live meat. So, wolves are, there's a reason they killed them out. Uh, because they're a competitor for, you know, they're carnivorous competitors. And they will wipe out deer and elk herds. And that's, of course, what they're doing. And uh, people say, oh, well, it was important because the erosion and all that. I can show you that that is not the case. Good management would have done the same thing. But they don't. They don't want to admit it. They've got this idea and then they defend it because that's their religion. That's what they believe about their God. That they're doing a good thing. They're not even bringing in the right kind of wolf. They're bringing in the northern Canadian wolves. And they'll be crossing with other animals and you'll get all kinds of problems with it. But uh I could even go into more about some of the shenanigans that goes on with their wolf program. And the truth that you're not getting. Because I've seen them. I've seen the wolves. I've seen what they can do. You know, I, I live where these things... I, I mean, there were just three cougars the other day just right up above us. There was a wolf howling just above us on the on the plateau. And so I'm familiar with what's going on. But they're not telling you the truth. And Walmart getting rid of guns. Uh, getting rid of selling of guns. That's just better for the uh, small... Uh, gun dealers, they'll, they'll do a lot better. But, uh, and that's fine. It'll all work out. But it's the irrationalness of their argument that I'm concerned with because their same ability not to see the obvious is the, the same irrationalness that is going on amongst modern Christians. They have accepted an idea and they just defend that idea. And they think it's defending Christ. They think it's believing in Christ. But it's really just believing in an idea about Christ that has been created by false prophets. And we talked a great deal about that this morning. And along with a lot of statistics about guns save lives. That That's the case. Guns save lives. Especially in the hands of courageous and honorable and and loving people. Of course, there's not as many of those around as there used to be. But there's a lot of people around. But uh, it's the false prophets that uh, and false religion that is destroying people. And I created two web pages uh, before, uh, but I've added to them false religion, false prophets. Add a lot more links because we have a lot more new articles. And so you can go look them up at preparingyou.com. Preparing com, and uh, there's a search engine up there on the right hand side and just look up you know uh, false prophets, false religions just look up the word false and it'll show you all the articles that have false in the title and uh, you can find out what that is and you can look up pure religion or religion and it'll give you articles that have the word religion in it and you can click on them and read them and a lot of them have audios on them now but, uh, you know, one of the things I pointed out, and I'm not going to go through all the examples of AR-15 saving lives, 
and uh, stopping murderers, stopping mass murderers. Uh, but I and I won't go through all the list of people who stop uh, crime with just regular guns. And the the gun control people are really about controlling you. I mean, that's what Bernie is saying. He wants population control. Even uh, was it Susan Harris coming out and saying she wants to control the amount of meat you eat uh, to protect for global warming. Global warming is directly the cause of what's going on on the sun. And Jesus, 2,000 years ago, said, look for signs in the sun. And I'm not going to tell you what those signs are. Uh, I, I'll tell people who come to the Burning Bush Festivals and, and maybe our Spring Festivals if we start having them. And, uh, you know, but the people who are going to be called and know about coming will be the people on the network. And the network right now is mostly email network, although we have a living network where people are gathering in congregations of tens, hundreds, and thousands as Christ commanded, and the early church organized itself as long, as well as, you know, the early church, not only the early church in the catacombs, and, you know, when they were persecuted, they really needed to be in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, the same as the French needed to be in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, when they are being persecuted by the... Nazis when they invaded in World War II and when the Hessians came here by order of King George Americans were organized in the tens, hundreds, and thousands they're not going to teach you that in the schools because that's not in their interest but the whole idea of public school is nonsense it's a it's a really bad idea Uh, the public school as we say the term today we say public school that's what you you, you look at a, a, the modern public school and you, you think, oh, well, that's good. We are educating our children. What you're doing is brainwashing your children. And we can show that. We have articles on that. Look at um, schools as tools and homeschool. And we have lots and lots of different articles. And again, many of those pages have audios on them. And it's one way of finding it. I mean, there's a link to find all the audios. Uh, probably not all the audios. We have more than even is on that website, but that'll get you started. But uh, uh, we were going to talk about a number of different things. I did want to say, uh, as far as the 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 guns, you know, there, there's over 300 million guns in the United States, and only one percent of them are used in crimes. The other 99 uh, percent are there for your protection and for hunting and fishing and, you know, not fishing. You're not supposed to shoot when you're fishing, but, you know, uh, outdoor sports. But really, your right to bear arms is the right to protect yourself against governments who want to control what you eat and what you, if you live or die. And that, of course, is what Bernie Sanders was talking about. And I don't want to pick on him. He, he is who he is, but he he's the one who said it this week, so... uh there's a lot of other people that would like to extinguish about 90% of the people on the earth because they think there's too many people. You know, years ago, we talked about it in uh, one of our audios about them predicting that, you you know, if the country, if the world got to a billion people, it would be overpopulated and there would actually be, you know, breakdown of society and all hell would break loose. Well, we're at 7 billion and we're not actually not doing that bad. You know, pollution is actually down in many places. And with a little bit higher quality of person, nobler person, less robbers and thieves and 
and uh, crooked politicians and and uh, and bureaucrats and corporations and what have you. I, I don't want to get rid of corporations. Corporations aren't crooked, but the people sometimes who use their power are crooked, and the corporation facilitates a tool by which they can do more evil. Uh, some corporations do real a lot of good. It's, morality is a human choice. It's an individual choice of humans. And the tools they have at their disposal to do these with, they're available to you. I mean, like, you know, right away I thought, well, I just don't want to buy from Walmart anymore. I'm not going to get into boycotts, but uh, if I can buy it at uh, Bymart instead of Walmart, I'll do it. You know, I'd rather give them the business than somebody who is that ignorant and stupid that they think that removal of guns will actually save lives. When the statistics collected by the CDC, by the government, by the Justice Department, by Bill Clinton and Obama, the the, the statistics they collected shows that guns save hundreds of thousands of lives every day. They stop millions of crimes because people have guns. And that's the ones where they actively pull out a gun and stop the crime. Millions of crimes in the United States every year save hundreds of thousands of lives every year. That's their statistics, not mine. And you want to limit those guns so that people can't save those hundreds of thousands of lives. Because we know the criminals will still have guns. It may be harder for them to get guns, but you know what that'll do is raise the cost of the black market for the black market guns. That's what it will do. Just the same as it did when we tried to outlaw alcohol, just as the same as it did when we tried to outlaw drugs. It, it's not going to be any different. If, you know, what, what did uh, Albert Einstein said, insanity, definition of insanity is keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Well, you're not going to get a different result. But you can keep going to your modern churches, keep singing your songs, keep saying you love Jesus, and expect a different result than the results that you have already, which is the whole world goes back into the bondage of Egypt, worse than it was then. Back in the bondage of Egypt, income tax was 20%. That's what income tax was. That's that's what the bondage of Egypt was. 20% of your labor belonged to the government. You think you're saved, but now 20, 30, 40% of your labor belongs to the government. And if you want to, if you're really poor or semi-poor, you can take from your neighbor, take a bite out of your neighbor, you live by the flesh and blood of your neighbor through the the agency of governments who exercise authority one over the other, even though Christ forbid it. And I did a whole show on that this morning, so I won't labor the point, but Jesus said, you're not to be that way. You are that way. That's the way the welfare is handled in Australia and Canada and China and the United States and South America. They have men who exercise authority in government, which Jesus said, call themselves benefactors, but they are not really benefactors. They just exercise authority. They just take from others, and which is a covetous practice. And he said this not to be that way with you, but it is that way in all these nations who call themselves Christian nations. So they cannot 
be Christian nations. That's just basic common sense logic. But most of them can't see it. And most of them that would hear what I'm saying get all up in arms. That's not what Christianity is all about. Yeah, but that's what Christ said. No, but Paul said that, but Paul said he preached Christ first. So he already told them that part of Christianity. He already told them that he had to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. He already told them that he had to live by faith, hope, and charity and not force fear and violence. He already told them all those things because Jesus told us all those things. John the Baptist told us all those things. Moses told us all those things. Abraham really was telling us all those things. But the modern church is not telling you those things. They're saying all you have to do is believe. Yet, Paul says that if you're a gossiper or a bagpiter or a fornicator or covetous or any of these things, you have no inheritance in the kingdom. But they just, they don't tell you about that. They just say that all you have to do is believe and you're saved. Problem is, you don't know what belief is. Belief is not just thinking something. Belief is believing something so much it compels your actions. Which is why John and James tell, judge them by their fruits. By what they're doing. If they're not keeping the commandments, they don't really love Jesus. That's how you know whether you love Jesus or not. Not because of what you say, but what you do. That's what Jesus said. That's what Paul said. That's what John said. That's what James said. That's what Peter said. Peter said to cover this practice, you'd make yourself merchandise again. And you would entangle yourself in the yoke of bondage. You've done that. That's a done deal. You're back in the bondage of Egypt. It's a done deal. So what do you do about it? Well, you have to repent. You have to think differently. And see, when I suggest that you think differently, think like Christ actually said to think. You say, I'm a heretic. Okay, well, maybe some of you are listening. Maybe you, some of you are thinking, well, maybe he's got something here. Well, then join the network. Go to preparingyou.com. Go to hisholychurch.org. Find the network links. Join the network. That's just an email network. But once you're on that, you can join a living network of people who can gather together. Now, right now, our, our gathering together, some of our congregations are really spread out. And we have some congregations that aren't so spread out, but they're not really doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're doing a little bit, token. I mean, churches have always had some charity in the churches. Now, a hundred years ago, or at least 150 years ago, if you needed welfare, if you needed to hand out or hand up because you fell on hard times, or your children all died and nobody was taking care of you and you were a widow, or you were an orphan because your parents died, Who'd you go to? It was the government. No, no. It was the church. That's right. It was the church. That's where you went. The church was taking care of the needy of society, the poor, the sick. We were doing it. There were no big welfare programs by government. That was starting to come in around 1920. I mean, there was a little bit before. I mean, I, I, I show stories on the website of where the government actually allocated money to help people that were in a fire in Washington, D.C. And people were in America were livid. No, that isn't the job of government. That's the job of the people, helping one another. 
If we don't help one another, we will not be a free people. You have to freely give and freely receive or you will not remain a free people. Pharaoh did not freely give the food that was in his storehouse. You had to sell your animals, your land, and eventually yourselves to Pharaoh where 20% of whatever you make from then on was going to be go to the Pharaoh and then he would provide you with free bread when there was a famine. But that's not the way Christianity... Christianity didn't line up for the free bread of Rome, the free bread of Caesar, the free bread of Pharaoh, the free bread of Nimrod. They went off, even if they had to go off into the wilderness to survive, but they went... Abraham went with many souls. Moses certainly went with many souls. Thousands of people went there. And thousands and thousands and thousands of people got baptized at Pentecost by the apostles. Cast out of the welfare system. That's what it says in the Bible. They were cast out. And they had to learn to take care of themselves through faith, hope, and charity. And they did. And we show the history books. We show the writers of the time. They gathered every week and those that had shared with those that did not have enough. Now, a lot of our people gather on phone calls because they live so far apart, but they check in on one another. And some of them actually tithe. I mean, they tithe in the sense that they give something. And that's good. And, and I know some of them are work, work real hard for what they get and they can't give very much. I know others make a lot of money and they can give a lot, but that's that's what they have to do. Now, are the ministers receiving a salary? None of our ministers get a salary from those funds. None of them get a salary, really. I mean, if they make any money, they have to go out and make it themselves. They have to labor and make it themselves. And, uh, you know, we have the right to eat at the altar if we run short. But generally speaking, we depend on our own labor to sustain us. That's unlike the other ministers out there tickling your ears. You know, they, they want to build big buildings. We want to build living buildings out of living stone, out of you, coming together and making the network that Christ commanded. So that's that's what the church is doing. That's what we're supposed to be doing. But somebody asked me a question about pride, and I said this morning on the show, I'll I'll explain there's a good pride and a bad pride. And I didn't get around to it because we ran out of time. So this will be, you know, the third hour in this uh series. And I just recapped a lot of the stuff that we talked about this morning. There were other things that we talked about this morning. Uh Fulun Gong in China that uh, focuses on truthfulness, compassion, and forbearance, which is really a form of forgiveness, which is exactly what Christ talked about. And, but, you know, it's, it's a Asian kind of religious ritual, but philosophy, you know, and, uh, it was just set upon by the communists because they realized that if people are truthful, compassionate for one another to the point of sacrificing for the benefit of one another and forgiving, they will have the power to overthrow or undo Communism, the effects of tyranny. See, a lot of people think that it's our weapons, you know, all the guns in America that is keeping us safe. Bunk. 
Now, I have nothing against owning guns. I think they're an amazing piece of equipment. A great tool for putting meat on the table and keeping it there from thieves and robbers. But it's just a tool. And a tool in the hand of a foolish man is a dangerous thing. And a man who doesn't live by truthfulness and compassion and forbearance is a foolish person. A man who is covetous of his neighbor's goods in time of peace by asking the government to take from my neighbor so that I can have benefits and security and welfare and you take care of my parents and Medicare and Medicaid. And that guy, I really don't want him to have a gun. You know, I'm not going to take it away from him until he points it in the wrong direction. But uh I don't think he's going to keep the world safe. I mean, he's not going to keep the world safe from him. If you want to be free, you got to set people free from your greed. Because as you judge, so shall ye be judged. You know, and I, I talked about, uh, you know, the Indians' uh, uh White Pine Constitution to somebody this last week and explained what it was in. We have a website on that. You can look that up. Probably, I, you know, I don't know what you use for a search. Uh, White Pine Constitution, Indian um, Constitution. It's probably on the Constitution links. And it was, it, it, there's a copy of it there. And I explained what was wrong with their interpretation at that time. Personally, I think whoever invented the concept of the White Pine Constitution was probably closer to the kingdom than they were at the time they were translating it into English because they weren't translating words. It was all in picture because they didn't really have a written language at that time. But uh, they, when they translated it into words, some of the concepts that they wrote down that they suggested was meant by the original author. I don't believe it was in the original author's presumption, but it was what signed the death warrant of the Indians because it was the concept of manifest destiny amongst the Indians that they could they could suppress tribes that didn't go along with them, didn't join up and do what they said. They could suppress them. They could oppress them. They could take their weapons of war away from them. They could make them slaves and they could even annihilate them. That was their translation. I don't think that was the original intent. But because they believed manifest destiny for them was okay, then I guess it was okay for the the uh, the Europeans that came over and and believed that manifest destiny was their option. Because the Indians gave them that option when they used it against their own people. That's just, as you judge, so shall you be judged. That's the way it goes. You don't want to go that way. You want to go the way of Christ. You want to set free your neighbor so that you can be free. You don't want to oppress your neighbor so that you can get what you want at his expense. And that's where we're at right now. As modern Christians say they believe in Christ, but they think it's okay to... You know, somebody was talking in a local town about a guy who happens to homeschool. He's... uh I won't say much more about him. He has a very responsible position, actually working for the government. Uh, but he homeschools his kids. We homeschooled our kids. And uh, somebody was saying that he, he was on some board in town to do something. I don't remember, or in the county. And uh, somebody said he shouldn't be on the board because he doesn't even send his kids to school. Oh, it was the senior, uh, senior citizen center or something. 
And they said he shouldn't be on that board because he doesn't have any kids in public school. He home teaches his kids. Well, what does that have to do with the senior center? He's got parents. He's got elderly parents. And he was trying to contribute some time to the senior center. That's just crazy. He's, what I pointed out to the government official who was telling me this, I says, he may not have sent his kids to public school, but he paid for everybody else's kids' education. Because even if you don't send your kids to public school, you still have to pay the taxes from which they get the money to send their own kids to free school. I paid for all my neighbors' kids' education, but I never asked them once to pay for my kids' education. And I even had my neighbors calling up to ask me to explain math problems and things to their kids because they couldn't explain them and they knew I knew the answers because I have read more school books than most people who've graduated from universities. (laughs) I read all the school books that I gave my kids. I read them before they gave them to them to find out what is in those. You guys don't take that kind of time, but I'm serious about being a parent. And everybody can't take the time to do that. But if you're in a network, people will take the time and let you know. I'm, I'm Somebody in our congregation here just got a book that I'm very interested in. I don't have time to read, but they'll read it and they'll come back and give me the highlights. That's because we work as a team. That's what Christianity was, is congregations, teams of people working to set everybody in the network free. And that's what you should be. But you have to invest in the kingdom. You want the blessings of the kingdom, you have to give into the kingdom. And you can give a lot of different ways. You don't have to give money. Like I said, read a book that's of value and then share that information uh, with other people. Become invaluable to your congregation by being of value to them. People don't go to church. Christians don't go to church to feel good. They go to church to do good. But modern Christians go to church to feel good, to get a feeling of justification, not the way to go. So, anyway, I was going to talk to you about pride. You know, good pride and bad pride. Well, there's also good love and bad love. So what love do you have for people? The love that taketh away or the love that giveth life? Do you have the pride that brings virtue or uh, you do you have the pride that brings vice so there's the question so now you have to figure out which one is which and uh, in the meantime we're going to have to take a break because I think we're right at the break time at least see we're getting up there close I was looking at different clocks here and then they're not evidently in sync but anyway we'll take a little break and we'll be right back to keys of the kingdom And I'll tell you about good pride and bad pride. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. I was going to play one more commercial, but I decided I'm just going to talk right to some of the people that are listening. Because I noticed that there's a lot of people calling in. (laughs) So... There's a lot more numbers there on the board than I usually see. And uh, I don't recognize all of them. I'm not sure I recognize any of them, but I, some of them look familiar. But uh, if you want to ask questions, there's a way to do it. But we're not going to just take random calls from just anybody. We'll take calls from people on the network. So what you do is, if you're on the network, 
And you get on there by going to preparingyou.com or hisholychurch.org, clicking on the network links and joining. And you're on the network, and uh, you can get a hold of us to... You really should be a part of the Living with Network, but we'll make some exceptions. If you're on that network and get a hold of somebody on your group, just ask uh, for a personal contact minister or a minister that's on the group and say that you would like to ask questions on this particular broadcast, and we will you, you give them your phone number, and they'll give it to me, and I'll look for that phone number, and I'll take you on and answer your questions. But... Uh, we're not just going to take questions from anybody because if you don't care about anybody else, you won't join the network, then we we just let you go be free. <laughs> Do whatever you want. So anyway, that's just uh that's our little bait to get people to join the network and then but you're not even when you join the network, the email network, you're not on the living network. And this is what we really have to promote, because this is what Christ commanded. And if you're not doing what Christ commanded, you really aren't a Christian. You're not following Him, you're not doing what He said. So, if you're not doing what He said, i got to assume you're not a Christian. You may be a nice guy, but you're not a Christian, because you don't really believe on Jesus, and in Jesus, and what He said. Because you don't want to do it. I don't want to do what Jesus said. I just want to pretend to be a Christian. Not going to cut it. So anyway, uh, that being said, I said I was going to talk to you about good pride and bad pride and good love and bad love. So what are you, you know, good church, bad church. Uh, good Christian, bad Christian. <laughs> There's always two sides to this and we're looking at, we're going to take a look at the two different sides. So the question comes up, what is good pride? What What, what does it look like? You know, actually, and I was looking for a word, and there's probably a better word, but the only one that could come up to describe it. And, you know, you can just put a big screen out in front of you, draw a line down the middle, and on one side put pride, which we usually consider pride goeth before the fall, and we see all this about pride not being a good thing. But over on the other side, we're going to put something that kind of means pride, but doesn't necessarily mean pride. What it means is self-esteem. And that's the only word I could come up with. I think there's some, you know, self-respect, self-regard. I guess these are all synonyms. Uh, dignity, uh, assurance, self-assurance, confidence, self-confidence. People, people always think that I speak as if I, you know, I speak with authority. As if I know, you don't know. Well, I, I know you know some things. I know there's a, people who know a lot of things more than I do, but there's some things I do know, and I don't apologize for saying them. I, I speak with confidence. And uh, there are times when I say, well, I'm not sure. And we see Paul even saying this. This is me, he says. Not as He wasn't commanding anybody, but this is just the way he sees it. But self-esteem... You know, there's a number of different definitions, but at least there's confidence in one's own worth and abilities and self-respect. So that that's something to be said for confidence. The reality is that God created you. God gave you the gift of life. He did it through, you know, uh, you know, the, what we call procreation through your parents. 
But somehow there's life all over this planet and there's almost no life anywhere else. We can't seem to find it. All the guys that thought there'd be millions of planets full of life and they're saying, well, evidently it's pretty special. It doesn't happen everywhere. <laughs> so they're they're kind of backtracking on that. But life is amazing and there's something, some sort of divine plan that allows life on this planet and because of that, you're here. So God... You know, my my granddaughter just came in and she painted a picture on a shopping bag. They're making shopping bags with uh, leftover canvas in the yurts that are made here. My daughter and son-in-law, they, uh, when I say here, they live next door. They don't live in my house, but uh, sometimes the grandkids seem to be living here. <laughs> but anyway, they, uh, they make yurts. And uh, they're campingyurts.com if you're interested in buying a yurt. I'm not doing a commercial here. But uh, they, they'll travel all over the country setting up yurts for events. And they'll set up 30 yurts at a time. And they, I just thought I'd mention, I'll probably say it on the network, that somebody's negotiating for them to set up yurts in the Carolinas. Well, that's a long ways away. Well, they have to transport all the yurts all the way over there. And they thought about doing this earlier this year when they were offered. Uh, they needed a bunch of yurts in uh, uh, an event up in New York. And then that event fell through because the organizers kind of fell through. But uh, some of these events are pretty regular and they have pretty good organizers. And so they set up the the yurts for those. And they may need help because they can't bring their crew, their normal crew for the West Coast, all the way over there. And it's their intention to eventually store them on the East Coast. And when there are events on the East Coast, they would rely on people to go to the storage, take the yurts out, and take them to those events and set them up. It's pretty simple, but it needs responsible people. So that's that's something we'll be looking forward to. There's a lot of other things we do. You know, we, like I said, we've helped out people with their mortgages, and we've helped out people with their hospital bills, and we lowered their hospital bills by negotiating. And we help people with their health and we actually take people in, help them get out of the hospital, which is killing them, and help them get better outside of the hospital. When they want to be, they want to receive that, you know, we don't, we don't charge anything. But we don't, don't charge anything because freely given, freely received. So we're not in the business, but of course we can't do as much as we'd like to do if people don't help us out. But that's that's what Christianity was all about, is people helping people without charging them. The governments of the world, their religion, they charge you. You go and get bread at the Pharaoh's place, and you'll owe 20% of your labor. If you go get it at Caesar's, you may owe more than 20%. If you go get it with the FDR, you ended up owing you know, 30 40 50% of what you made, because you ate at their table. But Paul says there's a table at which we do not eat. <laughs> Christ even says that. And uh, even uh, King David said there's a table that is a snare. You know, and Rudyard Kipling, if you eat at the trough of the tribe, then everything that that implies attaches to you. This is how through covetous practice you become merchandise. But that's another whole story. Let's back to the pride. So on the one side you have just pride, and on the other side, they, they never put the uh, synonym here, I don't see it anywhere, that self-esteem is the same as pride. 
they make it different. Now we're just dealing with definitions of word, and sometimes they're kind of overlapping. But for our purposes, we're going to put pride on one side, uh, which, you know, if we wanted to add descriptive words to that, we'd include vanity, selfishness, you first, me first kind of attitude. That's not self-esteem. Self-esteem is that you have self-respect and self-regard. You appreciate the gift of life. You value it. Somebody with self-esteem is not going to commit suicide. Somebody without self-esteem might commit suicide. All those gun deaths they talk about in the United States, 60% of them are suicides. That's not a good thing for a society. you got 60% of your people killing themselves. They evidently lack self-esteem. So self-esteem is important. But pride is the other side of the equation. It's crossed the line between self-esteem and pride. You're over there. And the fact that we're complicated people, you know, complicated creatures, where exactly that pride begins to become unhealthy and stops being self-esteem, we have to kind of figure that out. We have to learn what that is. Self-esteem is also is an individual's subjective evaluation of their own worth. Self-esteem encompasses beliefs about oneself as well as emotional states such as triumph, despair, pride, and shame. So, you know, self-esteem can ward off the despair of false pride. But now... They were telling you that self-esteem is this individual subjective evaluation. Well, a narcissist may have lots of self-esteem. He thinks the world revolves around him. So there can be bad self-esteem because it's false self-esteem. The same as there can be, we have this phrase that you've heard it, I'm sure, false pride. Well, that's that's the bad pride. So these are these are terms, and they they move around because they're not like mathematics, where they're etched in. You know, two is two; it's a value, and it's not more or less; it's two. Two point two is a different number. Pride is is a word, and it fluctuates because people don't always look it up, and we're not consistent in definition. That's why you look up words in a dictionary; and there may be five different definitions for the same word which uh, allows uh, a great leverage for the sophists of the world. So, anyway, what takes you towards the unhealthy pride and takes you towards the healthy self-esteem? Because there is an unhealthy self-esteem, which is a false self-esteem, which is, that's where the subjectiveness, but the objective self-esteem, where you, 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 you see value in the life you have, you respect the rights you have, and therefore you, one of the things that you have rights, but you don't get to keep them, even inalienable rights, you will not get to keep them according to the laws of nature if you do not exercise the responsibility of those rights. It's like you've got a muscle in your right arm, uh, or maybe you've had it cut off and you only have it in your left arm, I don't know, but Basically, we all have a muscles in our body. If we do not use those muscles, what happens to them? They go away. They diminish. If you live in a, uh, a gravity, a state of no gravity, 
your muscles will begin to shrink because you're not using them. You have to exercise to use them. It's the same way with rights. If you don't exercise your rights, you lose them. It's it's the acquiescence of nature. Uh, you you lose what you don't use. It just goes away. And so you need to use it or lose it. So pride, when is the pride bad? When is the pride or self-esteem good? Is when your pride is balanced with your love of neighbor. You have to love yourself, but you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. If you love yourself 55%, then you also have to love your neighbor to the same equality. To love your neighbor as yourself, you have to love your neighbor equal to yourself. And that's, you know, what does that mean? You know, that's that only takes place in a society where you freely give and freely receive. In a society where you take from your neighbor, where you covet your neighbor's goods, in order that you may be secure, safe, or prosper, that, that neighborhood, that union, is going to bring about automatically, can't do anything about it, it's just written into the laws of nature, that bad pride. It's going to bring that bad pride into existence in you. It's going to, if there was a needle down there at that dividing line, that needle would start pointing over to bad pride. If you love yourself more than your neighbor. Okay, you've all done that. At times, you put yourself over your neighbor. Over the stranger in your midst. Because the stranger in your midst is still your neighbor. He's just a stranger to you. And and Christ made a big point out of the fact that you can't just love those that you love you. You can't just love those that you want to love. You can't just love those that you know. You have to love those you don't even know. So you have to love the stranger as well. And if you don't do that, that needle is going to start going over to the bad pride that brings, you know, a fall and devastation and ignorance. And you're not going to see things clearly. You're automatically going to lose the ability to see the truth. You're going to be more vulnerable to the liars of the world, the deceptions of the world. It's just going to happen. You don't have to, you've already made your choice. And, and that's, that's the way it, it operates. Now, what can you do to alter that? Well, you didn't do right by this individual. You didn't love that one as much as you loved yourself. So now, if you, the next opportunity that comes along, you love this person more than you would have loved them if the needle was just standing up straight. In other words, you have to love them more than you love yourself. You have to sacrifice. See, this is, this is, Christ came to teach us how to sacrifice. The modern church says, oh, you don't have to sacrifice anymore. Because that's all been done away with. No, charity hasn't been done away with and charity is sacrifice. Love hasn't been done away with and love is sacrifice. You tell me how you can love others and not be sacrificed. Yeah, you know, some some young teenage boy loves his girlfriend, but he really wants something from his girlfriend. Now, he may love her too, but he wants something from... He's there to be pleasured. Now, he, there may be some noble intent in it, but his hormones are going to take over. That's why you don't 
you don't get into dangerous situations with your boyfriend. I'm not even sure what a boyfriend is. You have friends. Some of them are boys. Some of them are girls. And you have fiancés. Uh, and, you know, and then you have married couples. Where's the category of boyfriend, girlfriends? Uh, what is that? Practicing for a fiancé? No. You, you have to be careful where you draw the lines. Or because nature will take over. <laughs> and somebody's going to get into trouble. And then you have to go to Barney Sanders or something uh, so that you can murder your child. Or you're going to have to raise your child and your boyfriend's going to take off. Because he didn't, he wouldn't hang around because he wanted to be responsible. If he wanted to be responsible, he wouldn't take advantage of you. So you, you, you have to, this is your life. Be serious about it. Same for you boys and young men. Be men. Don't just be in, dogs in heat. You know, and the fact is, is hormones are powerful. You can have good intentions and the hormones have their own intentions. And they can control and manipulate your actions more than you think. So, you know, it's like playing with fire. Don't play with fire, you're going to get burned. So anyway, back to pride and self-esteem is that the more you care about your neighbor, the more of that needle will come back to center and even go the other way. You have to balance it out. So a lot of people they they want to not eat at the table of the kings because they know that that is a snare. Paul said it because Paul was quoting David and David said it and really John the Baptist was telling you, you know, do this by charity. Don't do it by force. Everybody else was doing it by force at that time. Caesar was, uh, Corinth started doing it by force. You know, where they, people would sign up for these welfare programs that were run through the temple, and then they would have to pay in. But they became a surety for the debts of the temple, and their labor now could be taken from them. They could be forced into military service. Uh, they weren't free anymore, because they were living at the expense of their neighbor. Now, that didn't just start at the time of Christ, but it really got going about the time of Christ because it was Augustus who really uh, pushed the envelope on this whole thing. And we've talked to you about Augustus and and uh, and before him, Polybius. Polybius wasn't a leader. He was a historian. But he was telling people how it all worked. And uh, he was making it clear that uh, the masses, that's the people, the majority, continue with an appetite for benefits. What are the benefits? The Bible calls them the wages of unrighteousness. And they had an appetite for benefits and the habit of receiving them by the way of the rule of force and violence. And that's what we see them talking about when they talk about until John the Baptist People were trying to establish the utopia of the world, the kingdom of the world, by force. They were going to force the contributions of the people. They were going to force people into their system. Uh, and if they didn't get into the system, they just let them die. Uh, or they would actually kill them if they didn't cooperate. Because they had this manifest destiny idea as well. And that's that destroys the character of the people. He, he goes on to say the people having grown accustomed to feed at the expense of others and to depend for their livelihood on the property of others, which is socialism and communism, 
they institute the rule of violence. Violence they take from you by force. They exercise authority. They call themselves benefactors, but they exercise authority one over the other. And then uniting their forces, they massacre and banish and plunder until they degenerate again into perfect savages and find once more a master and a monarch. They fall under the despots of the world. And that, of course, is what's happened. That's what happened back then. That's what's happening today. If you want to counter that, you can't just get out of the system. And you certainly don't want to be just following rituals and saying magic words like... I. I've accepted Jesus as my personal Savior. No, you have to actually do what he says. You don't, you don't just tell me that you believe in Jesus and you say you believe in Jesus. I'm going to have to judge you by your fruits. If we're going to share bread and, and care and all this stuff with you, we want to see that you're willing to do it with others. If you're not willing to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, it's pretty clear you don't care about others as much as you care about yourself. I can't move that dial from the unrighteous pride to the righteous self-esteem and respect and care for one another. See, you you don't really respect anybody more than you respect yourself. If you don't respect yourself, you won't respect others. What's the motive of virtue? You have to care about yourself in order to care about others. And the more you care about yourself, and the more you meet that equation of caring about others as much as you care about yourself. See, a guy who wants to commit suicide, he'll go and kill other people. That's what all these mass murderers are. They go out and they shoot, and they shoot, and they're killing other people. And when they finally cornered, they turn the gun on themselves and shoot themselves. They always wanted to kill themselves. They were already on the suicide bend. They just want to take other people with them because they hate other people as much as they hate themselves. If you hate yourself, you're going to head for disaster. There's no reason to hate yourself. God wants to forgive you. If you want to be forgiven, what do you have to do? What does Jesus say? If you don't forgive others, neither will my Father forgive you. So I have to assume that if you forgive others, you're... The father will, I mean, didn't he have a whole parable about that? Where the guy was forgiving debt? Forgiving debt? He was doing it for a little bit of ulterior motive, but he was forgiving debt. And he was counted as the wise servant. So if you're not forgiving other people, you can't be forgiven. Your self-esteem is not going up. And you may need help to know when that is. You know, we talked about trauma this morning. There is all of the addictions of the world, whether addiction to drugs or alcohol or religion or anger or whatever it is, is due to trauma. Addiction to sex, addiction to uh, homosexuality, where you think you're homosexual. You're just addicted to that. You And, and you're addicted to that thought. You, you can't let it go. You can't stop it. I'm not telling you to stop it. I'm telling you to wake up to what the trauma is. You know, and then the dysphoria goes away. And, and it w- but it will be taken away, literally. But you have to care about others as much as you care about yourself. And you have to care about yourself. I mean, I can get into it in great detail, but I'd rather be talking with somebody who has that particular problem. And, uh, and I don't know that any of our listeners do, and that's really not the point. The point is, this is, this is why you gather in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. You had trauma. Somewhere in your life you had trauma about all kinds of different things. Uh, 
just being born is trauma enough. But the the fact is, is that if you want to overcome that trauma, trauma usually comes about because you didn't have the support when you needed it when you were young or whatever. Somebody betrayed you. But if you come together, well, now you can get that support. And by supporting others, you show that love for others. And you yourself may gain that freedom that you extend to others, that care you extend to others. But uh, we're running out of time, so I'm going to have to say, God bless, and may peace be upon your house. And until next week, I hope to see you on the network. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.